Well, hey, everyone. My name is Fernie, and I'm the pastor at Mid-City Church. I want to uh, welcome you, and I want to just thank you for, for being a part of this. Uh, I want to introduce to you my friend Austin, who's going to help us keep this conversation going on asking for a friend. And I'll tell you later what we're going to talk about, but uh, I want to introduce you to Austin first. Austin is one of my best friends from seminary. We've only been friends for like, what, 10 years now? Uh, not that long. Um, but he's one of my best friends. Austin was in my wedding. Uh, I was in Austin's wedding. And uh, yeah, just and probably part of the reason, not probably, definitely part of the reason why I'm in Louisiana. So um, Austin, I'm going to let you, why don't you introduce yourself? Tell us a little bit, little bit about you, who you are, anything you want to tell us. So uh, grateful to be here. Thanks for the invitation, Bernie. Uh, my name is Austin Reinhardt. I am the senior pastor at McGuire United Methodist Church in West Monroe, Louisiana, which if you're not familiar with what that is, we are in Northeast Louisiana. Uh, I am serving a traditional kind of congregation. Uh, we're a little bit older, but we are a church that is planted right in the middle of a huge amount of growth in our community. We're really excited about a lot of the opportunities that we have. But more so than that, we want to be a church that supports the movement of God wherever that is. And we're grateful to be supporters of Mid-City Church, and we are grateful to be a part of this conversation today. Thank you. Thank you. I, I've been uh, where I've been to Austin's church and his parsonage and the community that he's talking about. There, there's a lot of potential, and I know uh, Austin's doing some great stuff with the leadership at the church and lay people at the church, and so I'm excited that you're there. Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, we're continuing the conversation of asking for a friend. And the question today, Austin, is, is the God of the Old Testament different from the God of the New Testament? And basically where that question's coming from is, um, you know, there's, there's verses in the Old Testament that talk about God being, um, telling the people, the Israelites, to go into a city and kill their enemies. But then in the New Testament, we hear Jesus say, love your enemies. And the, the, I, the heart of the question that I hear is, how do you reconcile those two? And so I'm curious, what's, what's your take? What's your understanding of this question? Is the God of the Old Testament same as the God of the New Testament? So it's a great question. And I'm a pretty straight shooting guy. And so like on the surface, uh, is the God of the Old Testament the same God that we discover in the New Testament? Um, yes. But it's not always that simple. Um, you're exactly right. We read certain scriptures that are contained in the Old Testament, and it seems, at least on the surface, that they're contradictory in nature or that they've evolved in some way in the New Testament. And, and, and it feels like we're talking about two different kinds of people, two different kinds of realities. And that, to me, doesn't necessarily mean that God has changed, but maybe we've changed, our situation has changed, um, our perspective has changed. I mean, for one, in the Old Testament, we didn't have Jesus, we didn't have the Holy Spirit, and those are two gifts that were given to us by our Heavenly Father to understand more about Him. So maybe it's not that He changed, but maybe we changed. Yeah, I remember taking a disciple Bible study one time, and uh, the person who was leading it, that, that same question was asked. And he said, you know, I, I wonder if uh, in the Old Testament, uh, the people understood God to like expect one thing out of them. And as their faith grew and their relationship with God deepened, they began to see uh, differently. And so, I mean, yeah, this idea of maybe we're the ones who change it as we mature, as we get older. And I'll even say like some of my sermons that I've,
I've gone back to listen to some of my first sermons, which was a horrible idea. If you're listening to this, don't go back and listen to them. Um, but like even my theology has deepened and changed and the things I've said, um, things I said back then, I necessarily wouldn't say today, but at the time, that's what I understood. That's who I understood God to be. Yeah. And it's always evolving. Mm-hmm. We learn something. We have an experience that shapes us or changes us. And our, our, our oh, so while you were talking, I was thinking this, it's a pretty bad example because I'm comparing humans to God and it won't fit. But Think about our parent. If God is our heavenly father and he is like a parent to us, in the same way, the way we rely on, look upon our parents, expect things of our parents have changed. When we were like infants, the expectations were that they would feed us and take care of us and give us shelter. But I don't have the same expectations of my parent today that I do, you know, 20, 30 years ago. And and their essence, I don't think, has changed. Of course, humans shape and that's where the metaphor falls apart but this idea that as time moves on as situations change as experience changes everything around us changes mm-hmm. um, but what we believe in god is that god in god's essence and god's abilities and god's truth never changes um, but maybe that also is part of the question you know if if we're trying to figure out if god in the old testament is one thing God in the New Testament is the other. Maybe another question to ask is, does God change or does God change his mind? Or, mm. you know, I think there's a million questions we could ask. So mm. there, there's an even another set of possible probabilities yeah. out there. <laughs> yeah, and I was going to say, like, that question is asked in the Bible quite often, right? That Or, or, or said, at least, uh, so-and-so prayed and God changed his mind. Um, we find that throughout Scripture. Um so yeah, like you said, it's a whole other set of questions and things to wrestle with and think about. Um, one of the things, so there's a book that I really love called The Good and Beautiful God by James Bryan Smith. Um, yeah. And we're actually, our small groups are going to be going through this book later this year. And one of the things that he says that I like, it was really helpful for me as I started wrestling with my understanding of God and like whether or not God changes. He said, God has permanent attributes. And every once in a while, we see uh, non-permanent attributes of God throughout Scripture. So he says, like, yes, God is angry at times in the Bible, but God is not permanently angry. Um, And so it's something that I've really wrestled with and continue to go back to and try to figure out, like, where, where, how do I understand that as I approach Scripture? But I think it's, for me, very important to think about, like, the times where God is um, in Scripture we read and God seems angry that we can, like, an acknowledgement of, yes, like, there was anger in that scripture, and anger is not necessarily a bad thing, especially the way God shows anger. Um, yeah. Um, but this idea of if all we picture is God being some angry guy with a big beard trying to punish us, right? what James Bryan Smith would say is, no, like, yes, God does experience anger and in the healthiest way possible type of anger. But the permanent attributes of God would be like love and grace. Yeah. Um, and to like look at scripture and the parts that we struggle with through that lens of, I, w- I wonder if looking at scripture through that lens helps us really wrestle with these scriptures of like, well, God says this here, but God says this over there. Um, yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah. And, and, and that goes along with having to ask the question, you know, you can do this in small groups. It's hard for us to do this in sermons all the time, which is why I think small group experiences are so 
formational for, in particular, new disciples, but people who want to even go deeper in their faith. Maybe they've been in a church so long they want to know more. But it's this idea of, like, particularly the Gospels. Like, I'm, I'm going to talk New Testament here for a moment, and it goes to your point. The Gospel writers, Mark, Matthew, and Luke, wrote their Gospels for a particular audience, for a particular situation, for stuff that's going around, and they even portray Jesus, who is part of the Trinitarian understanding of, of God, in a different way. Because if we see Jesus in this way, it relates to our life this way, or you know, vice versa. And so it's exactly, you're exactly right. Scripture is not a document that is vacuum sealed, and, and that's it. It lives and breathes with us, for us, in our situations. And I believe God lives and breathes with Scripture, with us, for us, along the way, too. Yeah, yeah, I agree with that. That's really helpful to think of it through that way, too. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Jesus, I mean, you, you talked about angry God. Like, all I thought of in the moment was Jesus flipping the tables over in the synagogue. Yeah. And he had every right to do that. But then... You, you turn a few pages and Jesus is hanging around uh, the lakeshore with his friends. He's cooking fish on a campfire and he's breaking bread with them. And you, so you see this kind of upset, angry human Jesus to this very compassionate, loving um, father figure here. You know, these, these two sides of a coin almost, but, but they're both relative and they're both meaningful for us. Mm-hmm. You know, it's interesting that uh, you ended up having this conversation with me uh, because a lot of people who are like part of Mid-City Church, they, they've heard my story with a uh, struggle with depression. Mm-hmm. And uh, you journeyed with me through that through that journey uh, while we were up in Chicago in seminary. But there was a time in my life when I told myself I was really depressed for you know those couple years. Therefore, I am always depressed. Like my identity is depression. Yeah. And uh, I couldn't find a narrative about myself other than that. When we when we approach God through that lens of like, okay, well, we saw an angry version of God in this text. Therefore, God must always be angry. And anything different than that is like makes no sense to us. I think it, it's, um, for me, I think it's, it's uh, bad theology in a sense in that... Um, Yes, I was depressed, but depression is not my identity. Yes, Jesus got angry and turned tables over, but anger is not his identity. Yes, there are moments when God says certain things, but that is not God's identity. And yeah. um, I find that so that that thought process so freeing for like anybody who's watching today. If like there's any part of you that you look at your story and your struggles and you thought to yourself, "I did that, therefore I must I must always be that." I would say, like, God is the God who says, no, that that maybe is a part of your story, but that's not what defines you permanently. Yeah, and and the beautiful thing I think about God, too, is you said it right there. God is not denying that identity or that part of who we are. It's important to the story. The Old Testament God is important when we read the New Testament and vice versa. We've got to understand the whole picture of who God is and who we are to then how we how we find ourselves in the greater narrative of God and God's people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I love that. That's really powerful. And, and especially, I mean, with everything that's going on right now, in particular in relation to uh, our Olympic gymnast, Simone Biles, I mean, 
her story, you're seeing so many perspectives, particularly on Facebook, which is where I live. Like, people are angry at her. People are sympathizing with her, compassionate. Everybody's kind of trying to find this box or this one side to fit in. And the reality is we don't know the story. We don't Mm -hmm. know what's going on. But I guarantee you at some point, you know, we we can relate. At Mm -hmm. some point in our life, we can relate. Uh, in one way or the other, to any perspective that we look at. Um, and I guarantee you, if we turn to Scripture, which should be our like a natural reflex as, as followers of Christ, like there's something going on in the world, we have a question we don't understand, like turn to Scripture, turn, turn to somebody that can point you to a Scripture uh, and discover, maybe ask the question like, all right, where, where does God have a role to play here? Uh, or how have I seen God in action before? And then where do we go from here? So, the conversation that we've kind of found ourselves into is even, even more relative to what's going on in our world today. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Well, often if, um, if anybody wants to continue this conversation with you, can they reach out to you in some way, shape or form? Absolutely. Again, I live on Facebook. You can find me on Facebook. Um, I'm happy to share my email, anything like that. You can Google our church, McGuire United Methodist church. I'm always open to conversation. I'll tell you, I love coffee and lunch, so I'll try to find my way down to Baton Rouge. I'm always finding an excuse. I'd love to continue the conversation. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. And uh, same thing with me. Y'all know how, uh, my email will be at the bottom of this screen, and I would love to continue this conversation. I'd love to get you connected with Austin as well. And um, Yeah. So is let me ask a question before we end. Is this the last conversation before in-person worship? It is. Yeah. So this yeah. week we're launching. <laughs> All right. That's yeah. that's so good. I don't I don't know how you like to end these things, but I want to pray for you guys. Oh, I'd love that. I'd love that. So, can I do that now? Yeah, yeah. Go for right. it. Gracious God, I give you thanks for Mid City Church, for its people, its pastors, for everyone that has invested time and energy into what this movement is gonna be, how lives will be changed in the Mid City community. God, we give you thanks. We pray, oh Father, for continued affirmation and endurance and your divine favor upon each and every person that has had a role and will have a role in what this community will be. Um, God, for their worship service that they're planning in these next weeks, God, we pray, Father, that folks would show up, that your spirit would be felt, that change would happen, that community would be grown, that discipleship would be deepened. God, but most importantly, above all those things, that you would be glorified Mm -hmm. in all that they will do. So God, bless Mid-City Church. Bless them, Father. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. 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 Thank you so much, Austin. We're so excited for you guys. <laughs> Thank you. We are too. It's been a, a long time coming, so I'm excited that it's finally here. Yeah. yeah. I can't wait to hear all about it. We, we definitely will. We'll let you know. <laughs> Well, uh, I want to thank you all for joining us online. Thank you for being part of this conversation. I want to remind you, uh, if you want to keep this conversation going with uh, maybe somebody in your house, maybe with coworkers, text the word GROW, G-R-O-W, to the number 225-307-0662, and you'll get a home sheet that'll include some of the scriptures Austin and I talked about, some questions to think about, and some ways to put it into action. And so I want to encourage you to do that. Again, it's GROW, G-R-O-W to 225-307-0662. Well, I look forward to uh, seeing you next week. And remember, I love you, God loves you, and there's nothing you can do about it. Have a great week.